Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 248 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins. Thanks for hanging out here for a little while. Got another good one for you. Another another one, like DJ Khaled. Another one, right? You know what I'm doing there. Today on the show, my guest is Jeremy Slegel. He is the talented graphic designer and illustrator behind Slegel Designs. During this episode, we talk about his childhood and how he was always drawing from as soon as he could hold a crayon. And then the books that really made design real for him. He shares with us a conversation that he had with a very influential author and designer. We talk about the unique experience that he had as a kid uh, at his mom's work, of all things, at his mom's work. Where was this? You'll have to listen to find out. We also talk about something that you know is pretty important to me, which is print. And he talks about the paperboard little mini figures, an astronaut mini figure that he was a part of that project, how it came to be, what it was for, and all those kind of details. We talk about a logo that he did for Nickelodeon. And then we get a little bit into the agency that he co-ran for 12 years and why they had to close and why it was suddenly. He shares with us the projects right now that have been keeping him real busy and helping him through this pandemic time, filling up his schedule, and so much more. This is a great interview. Jeremy just drops tons of not only helpful knowledge and advice, but he just brings it with the storytelling and he just opens it up. Open book. So ladies and gentlemen, let's get right to it. My fantastic guest here for today, Mr. Jeremy Slegel. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Jeremy, welcome to the Quickie Podcast. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me. No, I'm uh, jealous of your setup there. You got a nice little office done. Thank you. Thanks. I've been blessed to be able to work from this space. Uh, it was one of the first times I've ever been able to actually like work with uh, an architect to build a space. So it's actually designed specifically for my workspace. It's been great. That's so cool. So off to your left, I just noticed this. Mm-hmm. There looks like what I'm going to guess is like a giant yellow S. Mm-hmm. Is that yep. what that is? It is. It's a giant yellow S. How did you come across that? What is the story behind that piece? Uh, well, we live in a pretty urban part of Columbus. We actually, mm-hmm. the, the main drag in Columbus is actually called High Street. Uh, okay. It runs right past the state house, runs you know right through the center of the, of the city. And we have mm-hmm. lots of really cool little shops that run along in our area. I live in a neighborhood called Clintonville. Mm-hmm. And uh, first off, I do a lot of dumpster diving. Uh, second off, I frequent these little shops that pick up little crazy things. And there was a bank several years ago that went out of business. And somehow uh, when the channel letters all got pulled off the bank, uh, one of my fellow dumpster divers grabbed them out of the dumpster and 
sold them in front of their little boutique shop. So I had to pick it up. It's a giant yellow S and it's Lego <laughs> design. It works great. So what a cool piece to have in the house. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am a nerd about stuff like that. I'm not above jumping into really nasty things in order to pull out cool stuff and clean it up and put it in my office. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's good. Just a humble gentleman. Yes. Yes. I'm not <laughs> above it. I'm not above it. I, any, anything that's a, an old sign I'll, I'll grab it and uh, I've got them all over my house. So that's cool. It just adds character. Yeah. I find, right? Yeah. It's not something you can just go to the store and buy, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like Ikea as much as everybody else does, but like you can't just walk into Ikea and buy a giant S channel letter. And, <laughs> and when like you see one, you can't. Right. Yeah. And and when you see one at the store, you can't just walk past it because you mm -hmm. can't, it's not like, you know what, I'll wait till those go on sale. You just kind of yeah. got to buy it while you can't. So that's so cool, man. Well, before we get into this interview, are you ready for a quickie, Jeremy? Sure. I've got just enough time. I love it. Love to hear that. So I'm going to start by kicking it over to you and briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Uh, yeah, my name is Jeremy Slegel. I'm a graphic designer and illustrator in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I basically what you might call a solopreneur, I suppose. I pretty much work for myself. I do have uh, help, quite a bit of help from my wife who does a mm -hmm. lot of my bookkeeping stuff. She's the mathlete in the family. So, uh, you know, <laughs> nice. I'm the right brainer. She's the left brainer. Um, and uh, I also have a son who is 19. He's a freshman in college. Uh, going into graphic design and illustration, he's been helping me out quite a bit recently. My uh, my workload's been pretty insane, uh, so having him help me out. But it it really, uh, yeah, I pretty much work from my home studio and have been for the last eleven years. That is a nice setup. So eleven years, um, and what is the name of the studio? Uh, Slegel Design. Slegel. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I pronounced that. Right. It took me a really long time to figure that one out. <laughs> I can imagine a lot yeah. of sort of working through names and processes yeah. and making like sure that. it was available. Yeah. All that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, really. And then once you yeah. arrived on it, then you asked some friends and then you had to come up with some new ideas because your friends had opinions on it. Right. Then I had to change my last name. It was horrible. But we, <laughs> yeah. But we you can't beat out. that SEO. You just can't beat it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> awesome, man. So I want to kick this back again and hear about your childhood. Did you, do you feel you had a creative childhood that sort of pointed you down this creative career path? Absolutely. Um, I've got pictures of myself when I'm about two or three, I'm old enough to hold a crayon or a piece of chalk in my hand. And I just would draw, I made marks on things and I would draw and draw and draw. Um, my mom, was a stay-at-home mom growing up. Uh, I remember once we got into school, she would work part-time jobs while we were in school, but um, she was one of those people that was super creative, but had a dad that never let her fulfill those dreams. Mm -hmm. uh, wasn't going to pay for college if that's what she was going to go into. So uh, I think when she saw me interested in it, she just poured herself in into, you know, just, just, it just, made her so happy. Uh, we grew up on the South side of Detroit and, um, she used to, to just, you know, bring drawing books home for me all the time and just really, really encouraged me to draw, bring home paper, you know, any kind of art supply. I remember, I think the thing I was most terrified of growing up was going to the doctor's office, mostly because I hated shots. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she would always bring a box of markers 
And uh, the doctor always knew when I came that I was going to draw all over that butcher paper. So they, you know, they pull the butcher paper across and I would just draw and draw and draw and draw. And then every once in a while, I feel a stick in my shoulder. Ah, and then I just draw and draw and draw. So, right. And so that was just one of those things. Like it just, I was always uh, creating, always drawing, always making stuff, building stuff, you know, just always doing stuff with my hands. So. So at what point during that does design become a thing? Does design become real? Like who shows you that that is design and you can take this thing that you've been doing, you know, since you could first hold a crayon and turn it into a career? Uh, The books that I I really, really loved growing up, my mom used to bring them home from the library for me and they were by Ed Emberley. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Ed Emberley. He did all sorts of books for children where they would draw simple shapes, a half circle, a circle, a triangle, and you would just build on each drawing until you had like a swamp monster or a (laughs) horse, you know, or something like that at the end of the drawing. And uh, that has probably been one of the biggest influences in my career. Uh, And it wasn't until just a few years ago, I came across one of his books and I was looking at it. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is why I draw the way I draw. This is why I illustrate and design logos the way I design and illustrate logos. So um, I actually had mentioned that in a a creative group. Uh, We did like a morning coffee thing for a little while. And they said, you know, you you ought to thank him sometime. I'm like, I had never really thought about that before. So a friend of mine who has connections was able to get his phone number. And I called his home phone and his wife picked up. And I just said, "Is, is Ed there? And she's like, yeah, just a second. And I spent 45 minutes on the phone with Ed Emberley, which just totally Wild. blew my mind. I know. Uh, and I think the thing that was the coolest part about that conversation was that we just had very similar childhoods. Like I hated school. I hated school. The only mm-hmm. place I felt comfortable was in an art room. Uh, it was the only place I actually could like, my shoulders would go down. I could breathe. Uh, and, and it was the only place where I had A's in classes. So, um, and he, you know, basically shared with me, like, I, I wrote these books for kids like you and me, and I wrote these books to encourage kids, uh, that they could do this and, uh, and make it really simple and break it down. And, and it's like, dude, it worked. It worked. I'm a perfect example of that. And it was, it was encouraging for both of us to have that conversation. Um, but, uh, I'm sorry. I got off track there. What was the question you had asked her? No, it's all good. You nailed it. What was the, the oh. timing of that book of those set of oh, books? The, from yeah. Ed? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, that was probably, you know, first, second, third grade and, uh, early the, on. I, yeah. And the other thing about that at that time, um, during the school year, my mom picked up a job. She ran a stat camera at a local advertising agency in Detroit. They did a ton yeah. of stuff for, General Motors and Ford and um, uh, Domino's as based in Detroit. They, they were one of their clients. And so uh, if we had like a day off school, it was like President's Day or something like that. And she also had to go into work. She'd just take me along. And I would hang out in the art room with these designers. And they were just doing marker comps. And there wasn't a computer around. Like everything they were doing was, was cut and paste, paste up. Uh, my mom ran the stat camera in a dark room at the time, and I would just run and get hot chocolates and coffees for the designers and then just sit and watch. And that was probably one of those things that just really, really uh, was like 
formative for me. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And so whenever the agency would get new equipment, like they'd get a new light table or they'd get a new drawing, uh, drawing desks or something like that, everything ended up in the, the dumpster. I think this is probably where I get my dumpster diving from because my mom <laughs> would, would snag it and bring it home for me and give it to me for my birthday. And so like, cool. yeah. So my bedroom growing up looked like uh, a little, little art studio. I think if I had to choose between my art desk and my bed, I probably would have slept on the floor and just kept my art desk. Cause that's just, I just loved it so much. Yeah. What a unique experience having, being able to go in there and see some of this, the creativity in these early days of design at that agency, like that's yeah. going to stick with you for sure. Yeah. I mean, th there were no, there were no fonts yet. I mean, typesetting was a thing at the time, you know, mm -hmm. like you would, you would mock up on your design with an overlay where type was supposed to go and you'd send the copy and then someone else would typeset it for you. And it's just it's crazy to think about today. I mean, I heard, uh, I heard a speaker a couple of years ago talk about they compared the cost of getting a photo of like a Coke can with a drop shadow on a white background like 30 years ago versus today and how much it costs to do that and how much time it took versus what you can do today in Photoshop. And it was astronomical yeah. uh, what you had to go through you know, hand cutting Ruby lith to isolate the background, like all the stuff that they had to do airbrushing in the, the, it's just, you know, shooting camera ready art, like all the stuff. Uh, and now we can, I can, you know, set something up on a white background here, shoot it with my digital camera, knock out the background and have it ready to go in, you know, a half an hour. So yeah, pretty cool. But, but it was neat to be able to see that side of it, right? Like to be able to see the, 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 skill that it took to be a designer back then. Um, I, I actually kind of miss that. I, I kind of, it's, it's probably why I'm an illustrative designer versus, mm -hmm. you know, uh, just someone who does page layout all the day, all day long. I, mm -hmm. I, I admire people who can do page layout. It's not my, one of my strengths. I can do it. Uh, but I really, really love to do the stuff that is, you know, real illustrative hand lettered, um, stuff I can sketch in a sketchbook. Oh, for sure. Especially from having that background and, and sort of where your origins in design came from, yeah. you know, it's hard to really just turn that, you know, that tangible, that, that handcrafted part off and just go yeah. exclusively electronic or something like that. It's a, it would be a difficult thing. So of course you got to keep those, those roots. Yep. So we've talked a little bit about some of the early influences and experiences you've had. Is there one particular design during this period of time, design or illustration that stands out to you as the most influential of your life, something that you saw and has just stuck with you since? Boy, I don't know if there's any one thing, but I will say I had a lot of influence from growing up in Detroit and I will never forget the first time I saw the hood of a firebird. I, I just like, I remember like sitting and looking out the window at a red light and seeing one of these vintage, what would be now vintage, uh, yeah. firebirds all black with just gold, uh, metallic yeah. firebird on the hood. And it just was like, Oh my gosh, that car is moving while it's standing still. Like just totally blew me away. Um, and, and I think, you know, looking back on it, I'm like, man, that still holds up. It's, it's simple and clean. Um, it's, you know, it's got just the right line width to it. It's just, mm -hmm. it's a iconic and beautiful, um, so I think a lot of that stuff growing up that, 
that Motor City, uh, Detroit has really stuck with me. And then I would say the other side of it has been, you know, when I was in sixth grade, my family moved to Southern California. We lived in San Diego County, which mm -hmm. was a culture shock in itself. Uh, but, yeah. but, but awesome. It was great, great experience. And, you know, being able to grow up in Southern California in the nineties when TNC surf design and vision skateboards and Powell Peralta, like all the graphics, like the t-shirts, Oh, the t-shirts and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Thrilla Gorilla and just all those, those just really, really, uh, like I would just draw that stuff all day long. Um, I loved the colors and the patterns and the hand, hand drawn type, just everything about that. So, you know, I think that's probably between those two things growing up, I think those were really, really formative for me. A hundred percent. Okay. So I'm like, I've got this like picture painted of your, of your childhood and all of these like hugely impactful and influential pieces and heavy on like the illustration side of things and that handcrafted. So then fast forward to today's time, who are some of the designers and the brands that you're looking up to today and what do you like about them? Yeah. Uh, so a friend of mine and I started an agency back in 1998. Uh, that's when dinosaurs still roamed the earth. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, at the time I remember when we, when we opened, uh, and I would say he's still probably, um, you know, just unbelievably, uh, impactful for me is the work of Charles S. Anderson. Mm -hmm. Uh, just again, illustrative, but also just what, what they've been able to do with design and branding, um, the stuff they did for French paper, especially, um, his wife, Lori DiMartino, just her work was, is phenomenal. Uh, just really, really amazing. And I'd say that's probably one of the, one of the probably most influential back then, but I would say today it's, you know, people like, uh, invisible creature and Tad Carpenter, uh, Von Glitschka is, is not just a really great illustrator and designer, but he's a really nice guy. Um, I've had the privilege of knowing him for a while and, um, just like willing to help with anything. And just, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about people like Vaughn is they, they take time to like give their knowledge away like crazy. Like they mm -hmm. just, I don't know how, I don't know how he figures out how many hours in a day there are, but I've never met anyone who hustles like he does. But a lot of it is just, you know, give it away, like teach people stuff and just make an impact. And he's, mm -hmm. he's one of those people I would definitely say has, has made an impact on me as well. hundred percent. Yep. Those um, are three very talented crews. Yeah. And, and they provide a lot of value and, yeah. and just give their stuff away. Yeah. In, Invisible Creature, uh, they did one of my favorite children's books. It's called The Biggest Story. And it's just like, oh, it, I, every time I open it and look through it, it just floors me. I mean, from children's books to album covers, to identity, to illustration, to wood blocks. And I mean, just what they, it's just like, what can't they do? Um, it, I would say very much like a house industries, which is probably another very uh, mm -hmm. influential uh you know, one of my other favorites that I, I look up to. Also, I'm a big fan, fan of Josh Emmerich's work. Um, I've had the uh, opportunity to spend some time with him as well. He's just a really good guy too. I love these people that are just amazing designers, but just super humble and uh, yeah. approachable as well. So, Yeah, and also with, um, with Invisible Creature, I ch chatted with Don uh, from Invisible Creature just a few episodes ago. 
And he is a collector of things, much like oh, yourself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so during the interview, we uh, were looking through some of the cool stuff that he had, like in the background, really unique, um, just unique things that he would come across and find. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Aaron Draplin, same thing. He, he collects stuff like he's just got drawers and bins and just collects, collects, collects. It's, it's really cool. I'm not allowed to collect anymore. Um, I, I've run out of room. I have to yeah. share this place with a family. So, yeah. uh, I, I, uh, I keep my collections to a minimum anymore, but, uh, I certainly love the inspiration that comes from nostalgia, just, you know, industrial stuff. Like yeah. it doesn't matter what it is. Just it could be just a, a badge on a piece of equipment. Just so cool. So hundred percent. Yeah. There's just, there's something about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. Beautiful. So I'm going to kick this over to Instagram here now. Yeah. So let's pull this up here, Jeremy. So now i got your Instagram feed up on the screen here. I'm just going to scroll through here. I'm going to pick a couple of things that really stand out to me. And when I did a brief scan earlier, this was the first thing that really caught my eye, this little paperboard robot. Um, yeah. Because I'm a huge print nerd, a big print fan. Um, I run Print Design Academy where we're teaching designers to be experts in print. And so any sort of printed experience really jumps out at me. So tell me about this. Yeah, uh, I've got some good friends that run uh, an awesome motion graphics studio here in Columbus called Space Junk Media. Mm -hmm. And this this is one of the first projects I did right right around 2009 when uh, the agency I had worked with closed and um, they initially contacted me. This is kind of like when the vinyl figure thing was really booming. And they said, we want a vinyl figure of our character, Commander Carl. And so uh, we, we started looking into it and just like for the quantities they needed, they were a small company. They were just like, mm -hmm. man, we just can't figure out how to get these at a price point we want. And so I said, well, what if we, what if we make something that's like super easy to ship? Um, it's more interactive because you have to build it. And I kind of had this in the back of my mind already, this, this kind of character, uh, yeah. at least the form of it. And so, you know, I, I pitched it to them and I said, what's great about this is they're not going to cost a lot. You can ship them cheap and they're something that people can pop out, insert tab a into slot B and, yeah. you know, put it, put it together. And it, it's been a huge hit. We've done a couple iterations. We've done like a, an orange cosmonaut version of him. Uh, and some other stuff as well, but super, super fun project for me. That's so cool. So how big is this guy? Like just for scale, like size of a pop can, like how big are we talking? Uh, I actually, I know this isn't a, uh, a visual podcast, but I will show you anyways. Yeah. Uh, but this is him right here. So he's about, let's see, cameras backwards. There we go. Yeah. That's so a he's, good size. Yeah. He's probably about four and a half inches. So uh, his arms move up and down. <laughs> his head's, head cool. moves. Yeah. Uh, and, and what's really wild is like eventually it ended up being such a big hit that they ended up getting little versions of them made in like rubber. So like this is the, the Cosmonaut version and he's got a little hidden USB drive inside. That's cool. So yeah, we there's the Cosmonaut version and there's the that's so fun creating experiences like that for people because that's so memorable. And that's like the, the power of, of print. Yeah. You can craft these experiences that, that 
you remember that stick in your mind. And then the moment you see any sort of paperboard little figure of any kind, you'll jump back to your experience with that and the brand mm -hmm. and who sent it to you and all of the stories that go along yeah. with that. Yeah. And what's great about little things like that is that he ends up on people's desks and mm -hmm. they may not need, they may not need to hire someone right then, mm -hmm. but he's always there reminding them every day, like, mm -hmm. Oh shoot, I need an animation. I need to work with, Oh, I know who I'm going to call. He's sitting right there staring at me at my desk. He's been there for the last year. So that's, that's the fun part about it is it's, it's not just fun, but it just is a constant reminder that like, Hey, we're here whenever you need us. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing way to get your brand or the brand that you're working on, on somebody's desk in their face, viewing it every single day. Yep. For sure. All right. What else is going to jump out at me? Okay. So there's two things that I'm going to go. Uh, we'll start with this one here. So tell me mm -hmm. about what's going on here. Uh, that's the logo for shimmer and shine for Nickelodeon. Uh, they reached out to me a few years ago for a new TV show, TV series. They were going to be starting up. And one of the things that they wanted was something that also worked great on a children's toy, uh, on, on boxes and packaging for toys. So it needed to work well, like on screen, you know, animated in, uh, at the beginning of a TV show also needed to work well, uh, on, on packaging. So yeah, that was a great, that was a really fun project. I, you know, they sent me the pilot, they sent me all the drawings of the characters. So like the hair, uh, on the two girls, the two genies, uh, and the colors obviously made a huge, huge impact on the type and the mm -hmm. custom type on that. And then, yeah, my, we were watching the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade and my daughter and my son were just, you know, just watching. And then all of a sudden we were like, Oh my gosh, there's a float and it's going down in front of Macy's and it's got a seven foot wide, you know, shimmer and shine logo on the front of it. I just like, <laughs> I about spilled my coffee, uh, which so you know, seeing stuff like that, uh, you know, my daughter was really young at the time. And um, I remember we would go to Target or Meyer or wherever we happened to be. And she would always grab my hand and take me into the children's aisle and the toy aisle. And we would stand there in front of all the, you know, all the packaging with of all the Shimmer and Shine characters and dolls and play sets with the logo on it. She's like, Dad, you did that. It's just so cool for her. What a cool experience to share with your daughter like that. Yeah. All right. Last one here. Last one. Up. Oh, last. Uh, okay. We'll go with this one. Oh yeah. So, you know, some projects require a massive redo and some mm -hmm. of them don't. Um, mm -hmm. This is one of those ones that they, they kind of had, this is American lamb. They are uh, based out of Denver, Colorado, and they basically uh, promote the, the, um, the far lamb farmers across the country. Okay. Um, they, they are like the large, the biggest website to curate recipes and how you, how to cook it, how to prepare it, where to get it. Uh, and so they reached out to me. They saw some of the other stuff I had done their previous logo and they were right. It kind of looked like uh, a barbecue restaurant. It had this real rustic, uh, kind of chunky script font. And mm -hmm. so we just did something that looked a lot more, you know, Midwestern, a lot more, uh, you know, vintage Americana, uh, and so we, we did some nice little lockups with the A and the L, uh, to create those, uh, those alternate logos. And then lots of, lots of illustration stuff in there as well, as far as like some, like you know, something that kind of looked like it was etched or, you know, stylized that, that kind of had that all black and white. It was a great project. 
they're cool. they're they have really amazing photography on their website. If you go to their website, uh, I think it's AmericanLamb.com, mm -hmm. uh, and their photography is so amazing. I told them like their old logo and branding was so colorful, it just overwhelmed the beautiful photography. So we just yeah. decided to keep it monochromatic. Yeah, good call with that because then it's there and it has a presence, but it, you know, is letting some of the photography sing. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Beautiful. All right. Let's take that out of there. Jeremy, that was awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah. All right. So now I got to get into some of the tough stuff, Jeremy. I got a few questions that'll take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull those stories out of you and then we'll turn this around and wrap it up in a happy place. Sure. So I don't mind. What has been the most challenging period of time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Yeah. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, a good friend of mine and I started an agency and we, uh, we operated it for uh, 12, 12 years and mm -hmm. ended up towards the end. We, we were very much a boutique. We had six people working for us. Great group of people, super talented, um, you know, laid back about, um, you know, I think we had Fridays off if you had all your work done. Mm -hmm. It just, it was, it was an awesome experience, great place to work. Um, but, uh, right, right around the end of 2009, it was just kind of one of those like perfect storm sort of situations. And, um, he had started a nonprofit at the same, uh, a few, several years earlier and basically building orphanages in Cambodia and Thailand. And mm -hmm. so by the time 2009 came around, we were operating, 16 orphanages out of our small agency as oh, well. Wow. So yeah, we had become uh, a design firm that was also a front for orphan care in Southeast Asia. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, he was gone a lot. Uh, he was, you know, speaking at international conferences. Mm -hmm. So it just, it just became really, really clear that things needed to change, but it, it happened a lot more rapidly, a lot faster than I thought it would. I mean, I basically found out on a Saturday that we were closing on Wednesday. And, wow. um, yeah. And so like the, I, that was really hard. Cause I, like I said, I was super, super close with the people we had hired. Um, it was really, really difficult. Uh, but man, thanks to my wife, I, I don't think I could have done it without her. Um, lots of prayer and lots of support from my wife. Um, uh, just the fact that, uh, you know, we were going to be losing all of our benefits, by the end of the month, I had a mortgage payment. My wife's a stay-at-home mom. I had two kids, and it was it was pretty terrifying. Um, but you know, it's just it, it, looking back, like the twelve years that we ran that company just totally prepared me for that moment. Um, you know, understanding how to work with clients, understanding what it meant to do presentations to pitch work, understanding what it meant to write contracts, and uh, and all of that stuff just all basically said, okay, this is what, this is what you've been prepared for. Like this is time. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, I would say even the first three or four years of being out on my own, uh, you would, could commonly find me curled up in the fetal position, rocking back and forth. Uh, it, it took a good, I'd say four years. I heard a friend of mine who was a few years ahead of me in the same, a similar journey said the same mm -hmm. thing is that first four years is rough. And, um, it was, it was really rough. Uh, but just seeing the work come in, I never had to do any self-promotion. It just, I just 
kept getting calls. Uh, and so I've been really blessed and, and have had, uh, it's been a really interesting journey. So yeah, 11 years later now, I'm, I'm just like, I have so much work. I don't know what to do with all of it. Um, and, and it's, it's been, it's a good problem to have, especially with what's been going on recently. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely an interesting time to be sort of navigating this, you know, design and marketing world. Um, yeah. I, I know a lot of my friends in the design world who basically over the span of four or five days saw their work completely erode and had nothing. And then yeah. I have other friends in the design game who have been, are, have their best year ever last year. Yeah. So it's just yeah. so strange. Well, so uh, last January, you know, while we were still just hearing about this thing that might be happening in China at the time, mm -hmm. um, I got a call from, we have Scott's company is right here in central Ohio, Scott's miracle grow ortho, like yeah. they're, they're nationwide. And, um, they just called me up and said, Hey, you know, we'd love to have you come in and just share your portfolio with some, some of our creative directors for a different brand. So I was like, okay, sounds great. Well, you know, that led to a, a project, which led to a project last year. I was in the middle of working on several restaurant projects when all the restaurants had to shut down. So I had to basically, I basically let all my clients know, like, this is you guys, any in, unpaid invoices, just don't worry about them. We'll, we'll pick back up when you're ready. Like you guys got to get, you guys got to figure stuff out. And I was mm -hmm. a little bit in panic mode. Well, Scott's, because everyone was stuck at home, they had their biggest year ever last year. They picked up 21 million new, uh, <sighs> new users of their product. And so they engaged with me and said, Hey, you know, we need to come up with some fun projects to help people know how to use the project, the products in their yards while they're mm -hmm. stuck there. Mm -hmm. So we've been working for the last year on a bunch of animation work, a bunch of really fun stuff, uh, basically trying to hold on to those, retain those those people so that, you know, this summer when things are starting to open back up, they can look back at last summer. Remember that garden I, I planted for the first time. Remember that, you know, the, the, how, how much fulfillment I got from like taking care of my own yard instead of paying someone else to do it, like mm -hmm. planting that tree. So that's been my, one of my biggest projects for the last year. So yeah, last year ended up being huge, huge for me primarily because of the work I've been doing with Scott's and miracle grow which has just been a huge blessing. It couldn't have come at a better time. Yeah. Again, just one of those scenarios where you weren't really expecting that to happen at the same yeah. time. And, yeah. you know, you being having so much restaurant work at the time, like right. who knew that restaurants would be impacted so severely? Well, you know, when you're a kid, they prepare you for earthquakes and tornado drills and, you know, stuff like that. But I mean, if you'd have told me last January that we would all be wearing masks and, and social distancing, I'd be like, what are you talking about? That sounds like some kind of bad movie. Like what's yeah, going on? Exactly. It's just so it's just came out. So came out of left field. Mm -hmm. So, but we're managing, we're getting through it. So yeah, we're getting through it. Yeah. But it's just interesting to sort of see what industries were, were hit. And, you know, I yeah. deal a lot with breweries. And, you know, when you have a bunch of local craft breweries that are usually putting their product into kegs and sending it to the restaurants to serve, yeah. like that's their model. That's their business. But yeah. when the change up to restaurants are now closed happens so fast, you have all of these craft breweries with stills of beer, thousands of liters of beer that they, they got to do something with. 
All of a yeah. sudden, it's got to go into a can or a bottle, and every single one of those cans or bottles needs a label. Yeah, needs a shrink sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. Needs something. So it it was uh, yeah, just a strange time for sure when that all yeah. went down. Yep, for sure. So this next question might tie into some of the stuff we've just talked about, but I'm going to go for it here. Um, okay. I now want to hear about a project uh, or get a little bit more specific here and hear about a specific project or um, a design that you were a part of that did not go well. You didn't get the desired result out of it. What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Sure. Uh, In this situation, it really didn't. I was super, super excited about the design. I was really, really happy with it. Mm -hmm. It really went south on the client side. Um, I, you know, put together all the brand identity, went through the whole process of getting everything approved. It was for a, a bakery that was going to be opening here in Columbus at the time and super, super passionate, creative person that was, was behind it. And, um, you know, she and I really felt like we connected and, uh, it was done. I mean, the brand identity was done. The brand standards guidelines were done. The packaging, I mean, I've been working back and forth with the printer to get a die line created for a custom folding box and everything. And, um, she just kind of went blank on me, like radio silence, uh, for a while. And I was like, Hey, you know, sent you that packaging and, you know, we revised it based on your specifications and just nothing, nothing, nothing. So sent my final invoice and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but it's all done. Nothing, nothing, uh, probably, 90 days go by, uh, with constant email. So finally reached out and she basically said, well, uh, the, the location we were going to open the bakery at it, it ended up not being available. So we just decided we're not going to do it. And I was like, okay, well, um, you have my, you have my invoice, so you can just go ahead and pay, pay the invoice. She's like, well, I don't have to pay for it if I'm not going to use it. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, we have a fundamental misunderstanding of how this works, you know, at this yes. point. So, you know, uh, and it, it, it honestly kind of got ugly. I had had to contact my lawyer and he's, he's like, listen, you've gotten a partial payment for the deposit on this. You know, you're not going to get any more. Uh, you're not going to get any more. I mean, I can, I can definitely, we can take her to small claims court by the time this is all said and done, you're going to end up spending more than she owes you. Uh, so I ended up, you know, kind of fighting her about it as much as I could. And then just, just, I, at some point you have enough sleepless nights. And to me, it was more just like, it wasn't about the money at that point. It just got Mm -hmm. to a point where it's like, who could do that? Like, why would anybody do that to another human being? Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that the icing on the cake was about, uh, a month later, I'm really well connected here in Columbus with designers. And I, I get an email from a friend who owns and runs another local studio here that does mostly interactive work. And he's like, I just got this logo and artwork kit from this bakery that's going to be opening up. And, and I noticed that you did the design work on it. So like, why aren't you doing the website? And I was like, hold up. And so I (laughs) had an opportunity to share with him, like, that's the place that never paid me. And I said, you're welcome to do the project, but don't expect getting paid for it because that's just how she rolls apparently. So, so she, she had full intention of opening and she ended up taking my work and actually hiring someone else to do the website and, uh, and launching the brand anyways. So that's rough. It was really rough. It was really rough, but you know what I've learned is like, I can't control other people. Like 
if other people are going to be dumb, um, they're going to be dumb and yeah. it's probably a much deeper pro problem and than, than anything I could ever diagnose. And so at some point you go, I'm just going to let them be that miserable, horrible person. And just, I, I can't, I can't lose any more sleep over this. Like yeah. at some point you just have to let it go. Yeah. Just be nope. like hundred percent. It's terrible. Yeah, it's a tough spot, but again, the stress isn't isn't worth it. But it, yeah, it doesn't feel good to sort of almost feel that you were taken advantage of. Yeah. Well, you know, I think what it taught me, though, is to hold on to things loosely. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, at some point in time, you just you just have to be like, I have to I have to like forgive this person. I actually have to say, I forgive you. Like, I have to even even though I know that they never had the best of intentions, like, but if I, if I don't, if I'm not willing to go through the process of forgiving somebody, then I'll hold it on my own shoulder and yeah. it'll just make me bitter. Yeah. So, it becomes your problem all of a sudden, right? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's at some point you go, it's, this is not my problem. No, great point. So, great point. Yeah. So did that studio, um, end up doing work for them and end up getting paid? Uh, no, they, they declined the project. Uh, I've had several situations. We, like I said, Columbus has a very tight design, uh, community yeah. where we'll, I'll meet with someone and they'll say, Hey, you know, I was working with this agency, but they just didn't, they just didn't do what I was asking them to do. And they would name the agency. And I'm like, they have a really good reputation and they do really amazing work. It's gotta be, there's more to the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I'll always, I'll just call them up. Hey, your client was in my studio this week. And they were, they even showed me the work that you had been doing. I thought it was brilliant. Like what's going on? And they're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. We, we practically had to throw them out the front door because they were like the worst clients ever. Um, and so I'm just like, thanks for the heads up. Lifesaver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think people should be talking. I think people should be communicating with each other about stuff like that. I've had, I'll tell you what, I've had projects where I've worked with people and uh, similar to uh, the last story I was telling you about where I'm just not, I don't really do a lot of websites. Mm -hmm. So I'll have people that are say, Hey, I just, I don't want to step on your toes here, but I noticed these guys were your clients. Now they're coming to me for the website. And I'm like, great. They're amazing to work with. They have been incredible. And I'm sure that they're going to be in good hands working with you. So even if it's just reassurance, it's worth, yeah. it's worth having the conversation with people. It's that community over competition. Yep. Yeah, yep. Just... And that's totally Columbus. Awesome. That's good to hear. Yep. So the last one that's a bit of a tough question still is what is something you're struggling with in your design career right now, Jeremy? I would say growing up as an ADD kid, if you had told my mom that I could manage as many projects as I'm able to handle right now, she would laugh in your face. Um, I somehow, I don't know what it was. I had to overcome something in my childhood probably in high school that just really changed the way that I look at stuff. So I'm actually better than the average right brain person at keeping a lot of projects on track. Mm -hmm. um, but where I am right now, my biggest struggle is trying to figure out like, how do you keep the projects you want to keep and not do the kind of projects you don't, want to do and mm -hmm. and and at the same time like manage your time and manage expectations i had someone who has been a previous client great client uh they have a new 
brand that they're going to be launching. And they called me up and they're like, Hey, we really, really want to work with you on this, but it's really tight turnaround. We need it by like mid May. And I'm just like, I just don't have the bandwidth to do it right now. And I, I hate saying no. Uh, and they kind of pushed back and I pushed back. And finally I just sent an email and I said, look, I really like to work with you. I can even recommend another designer if you're interested, but I just cannot get this job done by mid May. And that was really hard for me. I, I don't want to watch. I don't want to see them go away. Like I really want to work with them. And then later that evening, I get a call from them and she's like, listen, I hear you. Uh, part of working with someone who does as good a work as you do means that they're in demand. And I'm just going to tell my partners you're worth the wait. So we're just going to push this. We're just going to push the deadline back. I'm just like, oh, beautiful. I didn't have to say no. I didn't have yep. to say no, like, I don't want your job. I basically said, I can't do it within the time frame, but I yep. want to work with you. Yep. I think a lot of times that's something I've had to learn because so often we're just so afraid of make, we're going to make somebody upset. We're going to make somebody, you know, angry and they're never going to work with us again. But it's like, if we're just honest about stuff and we just let people know where we are, because honestly, it would be way worse if I had taken on the job, had to do a crap job of it because I, I you know, didn't have enough time to do it well yeah. and delivered something out that, that wasn't the best for my client. So, you know, it's, that's, that's tough. It's, it's hard, uh, onboarding projects, managing them and making sure that everything is, you know, getting done, getting done on time is, is probably my biggest thing. I stress about getting stuff done on time. I've in 20 some years of doing this, I've never had a job go late because it was me ever. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm usually done a couple of days early because I won't sleep at night if, if I know my deadlines tomorrow and I don't have it done. But uh, right now, just with with the load of work I've got going on, it's like ugh, trying to trying to manage the projects and, and keep them all on track. That's probably my biggest struggle right now. Yeah. And I love that you explained that you had to learn how, you know, sometimes you have to say no, but you say it, but you say no while still leaving the door open. Right. Yeah, it's it's not saying I don't want to work with you. Uh, it's saying this is what you know. Sometimes it's somebody who it's a really cool project, but they just tell you they don't have the budget. That and it's like this is how much I charge. This is how yeah. much it costs. And and I would say, if they really really love what you do, they may say, you know what, I want to work with you. Give me a couple months. I'm going to save up and I want to work with you. Yeah. Uh, and and that that's happened many many times. So. Awesome. Good to hear. Yeah. Okay, Jeremy, I'm going to turn this bus around here for you. I want to now hear about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, one that just makes your heart sing. Yeah, uh, this probably, I think it was, we started it in 20, end of 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's actually in my Instagram feed. I put it up recently again. Uh, it was for the Preservation Parks of Delaware County. Uh, okay. They are the county just north of us they're one of the fastest growing counties in the state and uh it's been rural for a really long time lots of uh lots of people moving to that area and as they're growing and as they uh you know all these new housing developments and stuff are going in preservation parks basically goes and works with farmers uh works with people that have had you know historical pieces of land and and they're a nonprofit and they basically purchase these, this land and they, they preserve it as walking paths as like a Metro parks type of thing. 
Um, they contacted me because their logo remarkably looked a lot like Columbus's Metro parks and they weren't getting enough, uh, they weren't getting enough, uh, looks like people just kind of would drive past and they didn't realize that there was something special there. So, uh, they contacted me and, you know, the opportunity to work with them on that project was just awesome. And I think mm -hmm. probably one of, one of the reasons I love it so much is because in the, after the logo had been approved internally, word started to come, get out that we were going to, that they were going to be changing it. And some of the like volunteers that worked there that were just like super, super passionate about the parks basically started going door to door and collecting signatures to not change the logo. Uh, I've, I don't know if you've ever watched uh, Parks and Recreation, which is one of my all time favorite. I've only comedies. seen clips of it. I haven't watched the whole thing. Oh, I think in my opinion, it's the best it is my all time favorite comedy series ever. Okay. Uh, but they have these meetings where the, they, they're like board meetings and, and you're required to allow the public to come in and, you know, question stuff, ask questions. And mm -hmm. ah, these people would come in and they would, they would just start like, they would make a big stink about a logo change. And I would go and sit in the meetings and I would have to defend the logo in these meetings and then they would send us back to the drawing board not to redesign but we would have to hire like a third party that would do uh they would do like uh presentations to different constituent groups to get their feedback it was just mm -hmm. it was horrible but the thing that was the coolest for me is that the clients loved it so much and they never backed down from day one and i believe it took a year and a half to two years to from when the logo was done wow to really get to, the thumbs up to implement to get it to implement like the board wouldn't approve it. They just would, they would just kick the can down, down to the, the down to the trail to the next month to the next yeah. board meeting. And it was just like, Oh, it was painful. Uh, but I think the thing that has been so cool is to see clients that said, no, this is it. We're going to do this. This is, this is the logo. We're not straying from this. Um, we, we've got your back on this. Uh, we're not going to go back to them with iterations to make them happy. This is it. And, uh, it was just, it's, you know, seeing it in use now and the reviews and the response we've gotten from the community has just been overwhelmingly positive. So that's been super exciting to see. What a great one. Yeah. And it's cool. Cause now we're working on their signage, you know, and now we're working on vehicle wraps and, you know, getting uniforms done and just all the fun stuff that comes along with implementing a brand has just been really, really fun. It took a while to get to the point where we could actually do it, but now it's like, let's do this. Uh, so it's been really, really fun. It's, it's, a, a the image of a Fox and, uh, its tail is also a leaf and, um, they, the preservation parks, that's their thing, flora and fauna, like they, they protect everything. Uh, and so it's, it's quiet. They're, they're not rambunctious Metro parks where, you know, people are playing, you know, uh, ultimate Frisbee and have boom boxes playing. Did I just say boom box? Yeah, you Does do. anyone know what a boom box is anymore? <laughs> MP3 players with speakers on them, uh, you know, where it's loud and, you know, people tailgate and stuff. It's not, it's not that at all. It's, it's a quiet place where you may come up on a Fox. You might come up on deer, you might come up on different animals. And so we, we use the Fox because, you know, as we did their brand storytelling, the concept was really behind unexpected experiences. Like you That's never, cool. you, you, you always forget the time. You'll never like think about the time. Oh, remember I saw a deer that one day, but you'll always remember the time you saw a Fox. Yeah. It's just a, almost a magical experience. So. Yeah. 
Man, that's a great one. I love that. So Jeremy, I want to wrap this one up with the ask it forward question. This is where I have a question for you from my last guest and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Okay. So first up, my last guest was Katie Dooley. She's the owner of Paper Lime Creative out of Edmonton, Alberta, a fellow Canadian. And she wanted to ask you, what habit have you developed to get you into the creative mind space? Mm, that's a great question. Uh, you know, this is actually something that COVID has helped out with a lot. Uh, okay. it's, it's been one of the, the silver linings, actually. Uh, I have been getting to bed early and I have been waking up early. Um, I've been waking up at like 5.30 in the morning and awesome. I get up, I make my coffee, uh, spend a little bit of time reading, spend a little time praying, uh, just kind of looking over my day, mm-hmm. look at my calendar over the day and just kind of preparing myself for what needs to happen that day and just kind of preparing my mind um, and then just getting into it. And uh, and that's been huge. I started also taking yoga classes this year uh, so like twice a week at 9.30, I skip out of here and go do an hour of yoga. And that's been awesome. Just like taking the time in the, you know, in the work day to just free your mind of everything else that's going on and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, treat yourself is beneficial as well. So yeah, what a yeah. great feeling that would be. Yeah, it's great. You can do it too. Yeah, I used to do hot yoga actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, love getting started in the morning in that like sauna, insanely melt your face sort of heat. Um, I haven't done the hot yoga, but it, yeah. it's awesome. It's like when you're in there, you are constantly battling your brain to to run and leave. Um, <laughs> but if you manage to stick it out the full, because I think it's ninety minutes, the full ninety minutes. Oof. And you pick up your towel from the ground, which used to weigh about a pound, and now it's about 35 pounds mm. full of sweat. As soon as you hit like the fresh air of the outside, it's like euphoric feeling. It's, yeah. it's just the best. It's so such a good feeling. Yeah, I, I come from a long line of sweaters. Uh, and so like I, I, I just do regular yoga, and I've got a soppy wet towel. So yeah. I can't imagine if I did the hot yoga thing. I, I might Next melt. level. Yeah, I might not actually be able to leave. I might try it sometime. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it once. It's worth it once. I mean, you could go through the routine like in your bedroom, like just to sort of have a regular room. But you, you know, go. when you when you get to the uh, the real hot yoga stuff, that's that's where it gets pretty. It's taking it up a level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely is. <laughs> so, Jeremy, what's the question you would like me to ask the next guest? Oh yeah. So I was thinking about this. Is I like this part of your podcast. I think it's pretty cool. So I would say like, what would you consider your dream client and job? And do you think that it will ever happen to you? Mm. Cause it has happened to me. Uh, and that's just one of those things where like, was one of those things that you just never thought would ever happen. And I'm mm. unfortunately not even allowed to talk about it, which really stinks yet. Right. I think never, or ever. I think, I think ever. According to everything I signed, I think I think I'm never allowed you to talk about it. You just never speak to it about it. Now I can I can talk to friends and I could talk with you offline about it, but I am yeah. not allowed to list them as a client. Uh, I'm not, not allowed to. I, when I speak at conferences, I'm not allowed to mention it. No, it's, crazy. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I I almost like <laughs> the mystique to that. I like the yeah. mysteriousness. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you afterwards. 
Awesome. Look right into the camera. I think I'm going to guess. Just look right. I just want to see your eyes for a sec. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My face says it all. Awesome. Jeremy, that is the end of the Quickie Podcast, man. Thank you so much for being my guest on the show today. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, it's been an honor. Thanks. All right. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can hear more from Jeremy Slagle on the Joy Venture Podcast. That's right. He's got his own show, his own podcast. You all can also check him out at Slagle, S-L-A-G-L-E, design on Instagram. Or just like click the button in the description of the podcast. You could do that too. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.